All right, we're in, we're in Mark chapter 4. Uh, we'll be reading verses 30 through 41 today. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So again... Book of Mark, lots of snippet stories. Um, we're taking them roughly two at a time. Uh, so the parable of the mustard seed is um, one that's often used to talk about the kingdom and what it is like. Um, I think it's, it's uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard tree, so I have printed a picture that you might see the mighty mustard tree. This is a full-grown mustard tree. As you can see, it's gigantic. <laughs> Um, I think maybe sometimes we think it's like the size of a dogwood or something. Um, it's huge. Um, and so one of the things that Jesus regularly talks about with the kingdom is he says the seed of the kingdom at basically at minimum will return 10 times the size of whatever it is that your investment, but that's on the low end. He's like 10 times, but more likely 30, 60 or hundred times. Um, I think it's, it's important for us to intersect that with some of the other things that Jesus talks about um, when it comes to investment, where ultimately, like, the way that he thinks about investment is about faithfulness, and it's about properly stewarding whatever it is that God has given you, and to expect, like, a return on your investment from faithfulness. And as you know, we have no... We, we, we talk about this, like we can't control results, but we can control our learning. Um, so we can, we can try things, we can do things as it relates to the kingdom, and we always want to be debriefing and thinking through, all right, what am I going to learn from that, good or bad, um, recognizing, like, I want, I want, like, massive kingdom return, but I don't control when that kingdom return comes in. So ultimately, I can only steward my own faithfulness. And so I can control, okay... Um, how did I prepare for that? How did I engage with what the Holy Spirit was doing? What were my skills and my competencies as it relates to that particular thing? How can I grow? How can I learn? And we always want to be pursuing like the excellence of kingdom work. And I don't mean that like in terms of, I, I just mean like we want to maximize the, the talent, the time, the resources, the whatever, everything that the Lord has entrusted to us as faithful servants. Like there's a parable about that while at the same time saying results actually in the kingdom have everything to do with what Jesus does, not what we're doing. It's like this, again, like our faith is a paradox like that. Like there's a demand of return, 
but he's the only one that brings the return. And so that's why faithfulness is so crucial um, because, like, at the end of the day, it's, just, it's the looking in the mirror test. Like, when we look in the mirror at the end of the day, we're like, did I maximize what it is that God gave me to steward today? Um, in places where I needed to learn, where I, need, where I had, like, things where I needed to do, I needed to, um, like, there, there was things that I could have done better. Did I pursue growing in that? Um, or, like, was I a poor steward of that, that investment? Um, the good news for us is even when we're poor stewards, God can bring back a return and will bring back a return. Um, but for our own character, there's this understanding that he wants us to give everything that we have um, to the work of the day and what it is that we're putting our hand to. I think the... Um, what was I going to say? I had something very specific that I was going to, I was going to say about that particular thing. It seems to be escaping me right now. Hold on, just give me one second. Let's see if I can think of what it was. Um, oh yeah. So I think about, I mean, just like how it relates to the mustard seed. One of the one of the interesting things is like if we if we are pursuing faithfulness in our calling to whatever it is that God has called us. So for some of the folks in this room, that's full-time ministry. For some of you, it's part-time ministry. For some of you listening, that is zero-time ministry as it relates to getting paid to do something. Um, Is that we oftentimes don't get to see the full, like, flourishing of what what the return on investment is going to be. Um, And that's why, like, living in the freedom of faithfulness is so important because we just don't know where it eventually goes. I think the best story I've heard, or one of my favorite stories may not be the best story for that is the two, um, original missionaries who went to India. They went in the 1600s. Um, there are two people that were there for 48 years. History does not even remember their names. Um, I mean, there's no, like we know that there were two missionaries and we know that in the 48 years that they were there, there were two people who came to faith in Jesus. And that was it. Um, over 48 years. And I think the way that most of us would evaluate that is we'd consider that to be a stunning failure. And yet, like these people faithfully laid a groundwork for 48 years in a place where no one, no one, no one, no one had heard of this God who was crucified on a tree. Um, and the second and third generations to come after them, hundreds of thousands of people came to faith. And they died not having seen that. Um, but what it is that the Lord did is because they were faithful, because they were able to actually look in the mirror every night, um, feeling like they were faithful stewards of what it is that God had asked them to do. Like they laid a foundation for generations that would come after them. And they never got to see that. I mean, they probably are getting to see that now and experiencing that now, which is a beautiful picture. Um, but no, there's no, there's no problem. They're seeing it now, Pastor Don is saying. <laughs> they are one of the great cloud of witnesses that is currently surrounding us. Um, so they actually have gotten to see the fruit of their labor. They did not get to see it in their lifetime. And so there's this dueling, like, there's freedom of we are only called to be faithful, but there is pressure as well, which is we are called to be faithful. Like there's, that's the paradox of it. There's complete freedom in like the results 
Uh, but at the same time, it's, but we want results. Like we genuinely want the kingdom to come and for us to see it and for our friends and our family and our neighborhood to experience the kingdom of God now. Um, and there's that yearning that burns within us. And so there's freedom and pressure at the same time. And the, the, the thing that we have to test as leaders is, is the pressure good? Um, there's nothing wrong with pressure. The question is, where is the pressure coming from? Um, because the pressure can come from within where like, I want self-aggrandizement as a leader. I want to feel better about myself because it's producing certain things. Um, it can come from um, insecurity. It can come from fear. It can come from anxiety, which are all tools of the enemy. Or it can come from the Lord. Like the Lord exerts pressure. Um, he, I mean, we will continue to read where he talks about like this expect, expectation that we would invest something and we should expect, we should have an expectancy that there will be a return. That exerts pressure, but it's pressure from the Lord and it's positive pressure. There are other places where we can experience pressure that aren't of the Lord. And so this is like the tension again, we'll keep talking about this that we're invited into. Um, the second piece of the, the text that we read this morning, you may say something. stuff that's happening was beyond what I could even see. And so my prayer for you all is if we can get enough of you all around here now to have that kind of commitment to faithfulness, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I'm like, my God, what could really happen? If we multiply the number of us who are like, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I believe. I have an expectancy that you're going to do beyond what I could actually think. And on those days when it just seems like, what the heck is going on? You say, no. And I went to him who was able to do exceeding abundance. He is still at work. That's the stuff that makes the devil tremble. But the earth, and especially America, is 
constantly screaming. But what about the results now? But what's happening now? And the scripture is clear in Hebrews 11 1. My now is what? Hebrews 11 1. From the King James Version. What does it say? Faith is being sure, but we hope for. No, no, it's not the King James. Sorry. I only know NIV. King James Version. What does it say? What is this? What's the, what's the passage? Hebrews 11 1. Oh, faith. Um, now, faith. Say, oh, that's the word I'm looking for. Say, say that word. Now, faith. Say, now, faith. Now, faith. That's, that's it. My now is based on faith, not on what I see with my eyes. And when we can get that, that's how we keep, that's how we stay at it. That's how we, whatever happens with the kids, sign it sound like it's totally unbelievable. I know, I'm not afraid for that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what's your problem? Thought you were spiritual. What's up? But 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 hear my heart in that. So so, thank you, Doug. Man, is this recorded? Is that was that recorded? Yeah. What you said is recorded. Great. Well, yours is recorded as well. Well, transitioning to the second piece because um, it actually, I think it actually goes nicely with this. Um, this is a. Jesus calms the storm is like a famous Sunday school thing, like Jesus sleeping in the stern of the boat, disciples flipping out, the water is about to overtake them. Jesus gets up, calms the winds and the waves. He's clearly frustrated with them. Uh, I think Luke talks about him actually being like, you didn't understand the point of the feeding of the 5,000 by your reaction. Um and then they stop in amazement. And this is, it ends like, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, we have, like, what we've done is we've, we've taken and met what's called, we've codified it, um, meaning like we've taken a metaphor, like we've taken a real thing and we've, making it, we've made it a metaphor. Um, so we think Jesus is going to be with us calmly in all of the storms of our life, um, which is, True, and it is beautiful, but it misses what's happening here for them. Um, and like the people of Israel are not seafaring people; um, they are farmers, and it is a culture that, by and large, is afraid of water. Which sounds a little funny, but like they're afraid of water. And the reason for that, and you can see this, um, you can see this in the Psalms. But whenever it talks about storms and wind and waves as it relates to water, it is always understood in the text that it's demonic. And so the disciples' experience of what it is happening is that because like, it's like the monsters of the deep. Um, it talks about like Leviathan and the monsters of the deep overtaking. Like it is the experience of like storms on the water, their understanding is that it is evil personified. And so it's not just, there is this physical element of the water is coming in, the boat's going to sink, they're afraid they're going to die, but it is way, way, way deeper than that. It is an understanding that like the waves of evil, if we're going to make the metaphor, this is the metaphor, it's not like the storms of my life, it's the waves of evil are overtaking me and they're overtaking my family, they're overtaking my people and we're all going to sink because of the tentacles of evil that are pulling us under. 
Like that's their visceral experience of what it is that's happening. And yes, there is the whole storms of your life thing, but I think it's far more evocative what's happening in their experience of it, which goes like hand in hand, I think, with what Pastor Don was just saying, which is it is very easy to feel like in the midst of some of the things that we do and some of the things that we're hoping for in faith to happen. Um, or having faith to happen and hoping, believing that it'll happen, that there are days when it feels like the tentacles of evil will overtake you. Like that is what it looks like to step into like the edges of like the kingdom frontier when you are actually taking new territory from the enemy. Like one of the things like I hope I can regularly do and see is like the ways in which like we're existing on this different spiritual plane. And one of those things that I think about is, I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, how, I mean, we, we don't know this for sure, but like I have this, this sense that like within uh, the Western church, the American church, North American church, whatever it is, Europe, um, I, think the, I think the enemy has made a bit of an alliance with the church and the church doesn't know it. And it goes something like this. I'm not going to exert much of my energy for you folks who are in the church um, as long as you stay in the church. So you can, like, I don't really care if a church gets bigger or if a church gets smaller because 96% of church growth is due from transfer growth from one church to another. So you can do that all day long, and I'm actually fine letting that happen. Um, And you can tell amazing stories about how your church is growing, but like what's right underneath it is that you're mostly growing from people who are already going to a church down the street. Um, And I think he's perfectly fine to not exert a lot of energy and to not really go after the people of God that hard. He's like, I've lost them. Just let them do their thing and feel good about themselves. What makes him furious is when the people of God are not content for that to be the case. Like what happens when the kingdom of God pushes onto enemy territory and it's suddenly people who didn't know Jesus who are coming to faith. Like the people who are living in the kingdom of the dead coming into the kingdom of the life. Like that's a different story. That's that's when we start thinking about like the waves of evil are starting to come over the people of God and they're wondering if they're going to sink. That's when he's willing to exert energy. Um, And we are... It's just very important that we see, like we have, like Pastor Don will always talk about like, be alert, be alert, be alert. Coming from First Peter, be alert for your enemy. The devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for those whom he will devour. Be alert. We are like, the vision series is fine. It's nice. It's wonderful. Yada, yada. Like, look at what it's saying though. Like, what are the spiritual undertones and overtones of what we're talking about? We are talking about doing things where we're saying, like, we aren't satisfied to just play church. And I don't think we've ever been satisfied with that. But, like, we are, we are going to continue to, like, the trajectory that we've been on, we are pushing. And it will come with resistance. It will come with resistance. And the opportunity is to be like Jesus in this story. Like, the, like Jesus was, like, he's so calm and peaceful that he was sleeping. Like he did, he literally did not lose sleep over the tentacles of evil crashing over his spiritual family. 
Like, that's a remarkable thing. And so I, th- I think it's just important for us to continue to have eyes to see what it is that we're doing, what it is that God is doing, but also to be alert as to what it is that we will be coming up against and already are coming up against. It's already started. Um, yeah, that's not meant to scare. That's meant, like the actual invitation is to be like Jesus. Like what would it look like? to fully engage with the calling of faithfulness to push into new kingdom frontier and territory while living like Jesus did where he never lost sleep. I'm not there yet, so. Becca is. In fact, she's been, she's been discipling Pastor Don on, uh, on how to do that. Uh, so this is... That's the, uh, the word for today.